Welcome to Drink Beer, Think Beer, the podcast that gets to the bottom of every pint. I'm John Hall. Let's talk about homebrewing and how it's evolved and what it still brings to the larger beer world. Brad Ring, the publisher of BYO Magazine, is my guest this week as we talk about the revised version of the big book of homebrewing. But first, All About Beer is back online and producing original content for beer enthusiasts and professionals. Visit allaboutbeer.com to see the latest. And if you want to support us in that endeavor, we've set up a Patreon for both readers and professional companies in the beer space. Check out patreon.com slash allaboutbeer to learn more. And for more audio content, search All About Beer on your podcast platform of choice and listen to the shows that are now available, including the All About Beer podcast, Beer Travelers, and Brewer to Brewer. We're able to bring you this show each week, thanks to the companies that support independent journalism in the beer space. You can learn more about our surprisingly affordable rates by emailing info at allaboutbeer.com. Speaking of that, today's episode is sponsored by the Harpoon Brewery. Did you know that Harpoon IPA is New England's original IPA? Join Harpoon Brewery employee owners Megan Wilson and Greg Moon as they discover other unexpected New England originals in food, beverage, entertainment, sports, community engagement, and more on the New England Originals podcast, which is available on Spotify. And are you headed to Colorado for GABF? You should check out the Denver Rare Beer Tasting on October 7th. It's an incredible afternoon of beer passion featuring America's top craft breweries, pouring rare, exotic, and vintage brews to benefit the Pints for Prostates campaign. This is truly a bucket list event for a great cause where you get to try beers you won't find anywhere else, and you can meet the men and women who brewed them. More information and tickets are at pintsforprostates.org. A few weeks ago, I spent some time in Vermont, touring around breweries, catching up with old friends, and doing a little promotion for the Craft Brewery Cookbook, which, by the way, is available now where books are sold. At two of my book signing stops, I teamed up with Brad Ring. He is a longtime friend and colleague and the publisher of Brew Your Own magazine. BYO has a long and storied history and is the best resource for anyone looking to get into homebrewing or looking to add on homebrewing knowledge. And I'm not just saying this because I host a monthly podcast for BYO about nanobrewing or because I've written for the magazine over the years. It's true because it's smart and detailed, and it's a publication that's run by dedicated homebrewers who appreciate history and where things are headed. Much like professional brewing, homebrewing has evolved, and Ring and his team constantly keep their fingers on the pulse. In keeping with the times, BYO has recently released an updated version of the Big Book of Homebrewing, and you can find that where good books are sold, as well as the BYO website. So I sat down with Ring in his office just before a book signing, and he opened up some cans of the Lawson's Finest Liquid Pale Ale, and we talked about the new book and homebrewing in general. Here's our conversation. What do you see as the current state of homebrewing in America right now? Well, I, I think first off, um, there has never been a better time to be a homebrewer. Um, when I started about 30 years ago, homebrewing, ingredients were uh, tough to come by, usually stale. Uh, equipment was non-existent. You had to make it yourself. And even information, um, I was relying on UK published books from the 70s yeah. by a guy named Dave Line. Um, and then obviously uh, Charlie Papazian's book. Um, 
But now, I mean, you can come out of the gates, incredible diversity of good ingredients, um, incredible equipment options, and, and really good and solid information out there. So if you want to start homebrewing or get back into it, there's never been easier time to make great beer at home. Uh, the state of the uh, industry, uh, right now, I'd say uh, the pandemic definitely gave it a quick uptick. Um, we had, and talking with, this was our experience, yeah. and talking with other retailers, uh, there were a lot of people that got back into it. So they were dusting off equipment that was maybe in the back of the garage or down in the basement yeah. and uh, exploring that option. But there were also a lot of new people getting into it, so that was fun. Um, and it was good to see some new blood coming into it. It was you know, basically the alcohol version of uh, the bread and sourdough uh, yeah. <laughs> phenomenon that was going on. Um, so you know, people were cooped up at home. Did you see wine uptick as well? Wine, yeah, wine, wine did uh, uptick, but as with beer and wine, because I, I do both yeah. uh, as magazines, wine is is definitely much smaller compared to homebrewing. Okay, yeah. So with uh, with homebrewing, um, it also benefits by the the sheer fact that you've got alcohol as the end product. Yeah. Right. So if you're stuck at home, <laughs> working from home suddenly, worried about everything going on with the pandemic, being able to produce your own alcohol, not a bad, not a bad way to go. Yeah. You know, compared to uh, other options that were out there, and you know, watching uh, Tiger King for the fourth time. So uh, <laughs> still have never seen it. <laughs> no. No, we missed that in the early part of the pandemic. Well, it's, I'm sure it's still around. Yeah. Um. So yeah. So so. Definitely saw an uptick, and some of the folks stuck with it. But, you know, I think a, a lot of people then moved on to other things once the world started opening up again. Uh, so, so talking with a lot of retailers as well as just seeing uh, our own circulation numbers, <clears throat> you know, definitely took an uptick and leveled off. And now it's, uh, you know, down a, a little bit. Is... With the growth of craft beer, and I know back in the day, there was a lot of home brewers that decided to go pro. Yeah. And now, 9,000 breweries in the country, there are a lot of people who get interested in brewing simply because there are breweries that can employ them. Mm -hmm. And they're kind of skipping that step that a lot of generations did by home brewing and going straight into brewery production. And I'm, I'm, I'm wondering if the number of breweries in the country right now is a hurdle for home brewing. Oh, definitely. Yeah, definitely. You know, I think, you know, the motivation behind home brewing has, has certainly changed over the years. Uh, it was tough. Like my generation of sort of home brewers getting into it. It was as much about exploring beer styles that you just could not find. Um, and just finding fresh beer, you know, yeah. that wasn't one of the, the big macros. And that obviously is much different now. So I think there's there's an incredible interest in craft beer. And usually homebrewing would mirror in a smaller way the interest in craft beer. Sure. 
But what we ended up seeing, I think, in the last maybe five to eight years is that then it started to split a little bit. And as more uh, more homebrewers, you know, we also had a significant number of homebrewers leaving to go into the craft beer industry, right? Especially after the last recession. So, homebrewing. So back in, in 08. Yeah. Yeah. So, so and homebrewing is a very interesting dynamic. And so I've I've published Brewer Own now for uh, you know well over two decades, and basically it performs best when the economy is at its worst. <laughs> Um, and so you're the guy who's in the background going, come on, yeah, recession. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I mean, it's, it's, but it's a very interesting, uh, dynamic. And so we've got, so during the recession, huge growth in 08 through 2010. Sure. Lots of people got into it. And then a lot of people decided, you know, lifestyle, uh, choices, uh, maybe they were laid off or, or unhappy and, sure. and uh, forced to take a look in the mirror and figure out what they wanted to do for their next chapter yeah. of life. And a lot of them wanted to get into craft brewing. Um, and so they graduated from home brewer to craft brewing. And that was, uh, uh, that was great and, and a fun growth time, I think, for both home brewing and craft beer. Yeah, uh, But at a certain point... And I know I, I've got a, uh, three kids in their 20s. And yeah, I mean, I'm, I, I make them homebrew with me and have over the years. But, you know, among their friends, um, you know, they're all going to craft beer bars and, and visiting tap rooms. But very few of them have an interest because of the accessibility of great beer around almost every corner here in the U.S. Yeah. That the motivation to make your own isn't quite there. Um, is it the, and we'll see, and we'll see whether, you know, if, if the economy continues the way it does, you, we do have a huge larger than ever base of people out there that are interested in all the incredible diversity of flavors and styles of craft beer. But will they keep spending $20 for a four pack? Yeah. If, times get a little tighter you know we'll see and if if so then those are the folks that are probably the prime market to become hopefully homebrewers and not just abandon beer altogether it, there is also though an economic barrier if you're going to get serious about home brewing as well i remember somebody saying uh i can only afford to either uh, get really into golf or really into home brewing but i can't afford to do both yeah because the equipment, like you well, can buy a Mister Beer kit for twenty bucks, but if you want to do it for, or whatever they go for these uh, days, you know, I, I think it's like anything else. Yeah, you know, whether whether it's golf or or, or home brewing, there's some folks that are going to money is no object. Um, they're going to spend a ridiculous amount of money and much more than they need to spend sure. to make good beer. But the reality is, and I know plenty of homebrewers out there that they will make great beer just using plastic buckets and and an igloo cooler and yeah. and they don't need you know the the triclover clamps and and uh you know all sorts of i mean you can they're get, nice to have but oh, yeah. and they're 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 if you want to spend money on shiny metal and have <laughs> incredible um a range of gadgetry 
there are that's out there for you now. That didn't used to be the case, yeah. but and that's great. And incredible control over temperature and glycol systems and all sorts of stuff that was not even a in the realm of thinking about, you know, a dozen years ago. Yeah. But do you really, really need all of that tricked out stuff? I, I don't think so. I mean, there was still pretty good homebrew being made before that was available. Yeah. Um, so it's really, it, it can be as cost effective or not as you want to make it. Yeah. Um, you know, but it's really a, a pretty basic simple thing and I, I often tell people if you can boil water you can you can make beer yeah and and <laughs> whether or not there's an intimidation I mean sometimes and you certainly see it on the wine side where you know the the sort of mumbo jumbo of uh, the noble arts and and this and that and it's almost made to seem in on a brewery tour somehow another realm of of skill and equipment needed but with homebrewing, the interesting thing, as opposed to home winemaking, is that you're starting with the same basic raw ingredients versus I'm not getting, I don't have access to Cabernet grapes from Silverado Trail in sure. Napa on the wine side, and very few people do, but I can get all the same world-class malts, uh, you know, that the big boys in the craft industry, you know, have as well. Yeah. So, and that's... And that that's great, and it's fun to uh, to be able to to have access to that. The first edition of the book, which came out five years ago, yeah, Six five years, years ago, yeah, um, I enjoyed it at the time because it was it was a lot of fun to be able to go through it, and as somebody who who has dabbled in homebrewing but never uh, fully embraced it, largely I'll say because I lived in an apartment, which is sort of my, my cop-out answer, because uh, you can still brew. Like Some of my best friends who went on to become professional brewers were homebrewers in yeah. a one-bedroom apartment in New York sure. City. Like it's, sure. not a, it's not a thing. Um, but I, I, loved, I loved reading recipes, and I loved reading mm-hmm. cookbooks, and that's what this book is in, in, in at least the first edition and, and I know continuing into this latest edition. Um, first of all, what changed between the first edition and the second edition? Cause a lot happens in yeah. beer in five years. Well, especially the last five years. Um, I, I mean, I would, I would say uh, both from a homebrewing standpoint and, and even wider into the, the craft brewing side, I'd say that there've been more substantial changes in brewing techniques and approaches to making beer in the last five years than certainly in the prior 15 for me. Sure. Um, good example of that is, is certainly the approach to how you add hops. Yeah. Um, you know, there used to be the, the standard uh, 60 minute boil and you would, you would add it at certain times and, a bittering addition and as you got towards the end it would become more for aromatics and obviously now you know we've you've got plenty of brewers that are adding almost all their hops either right at the end of the boil or even after the boil into whirlpool and and beyond into dry hopping and you know that's been fascinating so that was that was a we've got a lot of new content in there about not only all the new variety of hops that are available, but also the hopping techniques and how is how that has changed and how now there's a, a little bit more understanding 
of the impact of that and, uh, you know, both on the good and bad side and, and the uh, bitterness that was discounted early on, like, well, they're not picking up any bitterness. Of course they are. And, and, and that's been shown. And um, so covering things like that, there's also, uh, you know, things like the, the, the quicker way to get to a, a sour beer. It, it may not have all the layers of the traditional methods found in Brussels. Sure. But, uh, you know, kettle souring <clears throat> is, is that really was not on the map as much five years ago. Sure. And, uh, it, and, and, it, and, 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 and as you, you know, and so a lot of these and, you know, there's certainly an old school element that is, you know, rolling their eyes at, at some of these things because, you know, we're talking essentially about how, how to make hazy IPAs and kettle sours. Um, but the popularity not only on the craft beer side, but on the homebrewing side, uh, it's there. It's there. And people want to replicate at home often or do riffs on what they see at their local craft breweries. And, and that's, always, that's always been the case. Has it always been the case? Because I, 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 the history that I remember of people saying, well, it was the homebrewers that were informing the general beer uh, professional beer culture, you know, back in the eighties and, and, yeah. and nineties and everything. But it sounds like now, you know, if professional brewers are pushing kettles, hours and they're yeah. selling and hazy IPAs and they're selling, is it, has it flipped where well, professional brewers? Well, there's is always, I, yeah, I, I guess I, I, it, it's been a push pull. Okay. Um, all along. Okay. So, so yeah, I think there's, there's no doubt. And, and I, I certainly feel strongly that, you know, without the homebrewing hobby, craft beer certainly wouldn't be where it is today. Um, not only because of the number of people who have graduated from homebrewer to craft brew ranks and, and opening up uh, craft breweries in every corner of the U.S., uh, but also just pushing the innovation side and having the freedom to explore, experiment, and, and find some of these things that then become you know, a, a new style, uh, whether that style stick around for any period of time, who knows. But um, so there's always been that element. But there's also been and and I mean, I before owning Brew Your Own, uh, I worked for a book publisher and was in charge of their beer book program and worked on a collection of what at the time we decided to call clone recipes. So it was sure homebrew recreations of uh, popular craft and imported beers. Um, and so there's always been that interest, right? And in, in especially maybe not in the early, early days where there weren't any craft breweries around to replicate <clears throat> um, or very few. But now, you know, people, especially as they're getting into the hobby, they want to replicate their favorite, their favorite beer. Um, and that's that's always been a, a very popular part of Brew Your Own magazine over the years. And you know, we do annual readership surveys, and the clone recipes always come back very highly rated yeah. um, as something that people want. You know, and and we'll work with the the breweries to make sure that they're as accurate as they can be. And obviously, it's not a matter of just trimming it. You got to figure figure out uh, with the scale and the the equipment differences. You yeah, know, what what you can do, but. You know, it's uh, people seem to be happy with the results that they get, and uh, you know whether they're trying to make a, a treehouse beer in California, <laughs> and, yeah, know, and all these things. So it's uh, you know people as they travel around. We have a 
a column called The Replicator that's mm-hmm. been around for at least two decades. And, you know, it's kind of a fun I, – I, I have no original ideas myself. So it was, <laughs> I think it was, it was either Bon Appetit or there was one of the food magazines where they would write in and, you know, I had – Cocavan at, at this French restaurant. Can you get me the recipe? Sure. And I was like, well, we can do that with home brewing. Yeah. And and it's it's a fun comp. So people will you know talk about uh, maybe a great beer that they had on vacation somewhere, and I'd love to make it at home. And, and can you help yeah, me? Yeah. 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 More in a moment, but first, thanks to the companies that help keep us on the air. If you'd like to help out the show as well, you can reach out to info at allaboutbeer.com. Today's episode is sponsored by the Harpoon Brewery. Did you know that Harpoon IPA is New England's original IPA? Join Harpoon Brewery employee owners Megan Wilson and Greg Moon as they discover other unexpected New England originals in food and beverage, entertainment, sports, community engagement, and more on the New England Originals podcast. It's available on Spotify. And if you're headed to Colorado for GABF, you should check out the Denver Rare Beer Tasting on October 7th. It's an incredible afternoon of beer passion, featuring America's top craft breweries pouring rare, exotic, and vintage brews to benefit the Pints for Prostates campaign. This is truly a bucket list event for a great cause, where you get to try beers you won't find elsewhere, and also meet the men and women who brewed them. More information at pintsforprostates.org. And now, back to the conversation. When, when homebrewers get to the point, because I, I, the book, I think, really wonderfully, wonderfully lays out different styles, and uh, obviously they've been tested, and obviously you know that the results, if they follow the recipe, it's a lot like baking. You know, you're going to have something that you're going to enjoy uh, at, at the end of it. Um, what sort of level of... Is it confidence? Does it take to start writing your own recipes? I, I, th- I think having some of the basics down, certainly. I mean, you can, you can start winging it, and there's certainly... I mean, it's, it's, it's why I think a lot of people really enjoy not only the hobby of brewing, but, but you talk to a lot of pro brewers as well, and they love that it's equal parts artistry and creativity as well as then the science. And so I think once you get into developing your recipes, you do need to have, you know, some of the basics under your belt. You know, you need to, most importantly, you know, have that clean environment and, sure. and, and, and know that things can go south in a hurry if you're not keeping things clean. Um, but also just have some of your basic techniques down where you can uh, uh, hopefully then build from. Um, and then maybe take a recipe, but start experimenting with some different uh, equipment, uh, either technique changes or different yeast strain or, or whatever, and start tinkering and then go off from there. And, and there's certainly, you know, there's some good software out there that will help you uh, get in the right ballpark before you go out and buy ingredients. Sure. Um, but it's, yeah, I've always had fun. Uh, going off and just creating a, a totally custom beer. Um, and, and sometimes it's fun almost doing the uh, homebrew version of the Iron Chef where you see what's in the cupboard and you just You just kind of go it. from there. Yeah. yeah. And see what you can do. Yeah. Um, and I've talked yeah. to professional brewers who are like, well, we meant to mash in that day and we realized that we didn't have everything that sure. we needed, so we substituted. And it turned out to be a really great beer and now we make that yeah. all the time. Yeah. yeah. It's the waiting that 
as uh, the the famous song goes, is the is the hardest part. I think for the okay, did this work? And then you have to you have a couple of weeks before. Yeah, you I know mean, if I it mean, it's out. it's yeah. It, I mean, there's definitely a little bit of delayed gratification, and hopefully, it's gratification um, instead of disappointment that you get uh, you know after three weeks or a month. Um, but yeah, yeah. I mean, there's there's some patience there, and 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 versus just being able to uh, you know walk uh, a block or two away and and grab a four pack. Yeah. Um, but what I've always encouraged people, anyone that has an interest in craft beer, is this is an incredible way to understand beer in a completely different way. You're looking under the hood and really getting to appreciate it. So when you visit a brewery, you can understand it at a depth way more than someone who's just, you know, sniffing it and, and drinking it and then commenting on it. Yeah. You can sort of start figuring out and thinking about, well, I wonder what they did to get this level of aromatics or the nuances, you know, that other people are just, and, and, and the same thing is, it's really interesting on the wine side too. Yeah. Um, there's so many people that just don't understand the basics of winemaking that I think they're missing the boat on what is in their glass and how it got there. And, and certainly on the beer side, this is, you can take your appreciation and enjoyment of beer to a whole nother level. Once you start making it and understand what goes into it. Yeah. Do you think, you become a better drinker? Oh, 100%. Yeah. 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 Yeah, because you, you're actually going through the process of, of, of understanding the techniques and what can go wrong in a hurry. Yeah. <laughs> and what can go right. Yeah. And so it just, it allows you to appreciate, you know, when you have a really nice beer in front of you that wow they they nailed it and they did it right and you know then you start thinking about well how did they get to that point you know how did what techniques did they use i wonder what when they added their hops i wonder what sort of you know there's a lot of craft brewers that will put all the details out there but a lot don't yeah and so it's a fun guessing game you know yeah that that uh certainly i enjoy when i'm when i'm visiting a a tap room trying, trying to, to figure out yeah, trying to yeah. sort of dissect uh you know what what's in the glass in front of me you know but but in a fun way it's not you know it's not it for me it doesn't it adds to the enjoyment of it versus uh taking taking away and making it into a science experiment all the time you you have you've brought up food a couple of times now and and food magazines and i i, I was thinking back to um what people talk about cooking school and how you should be able to make an omelet with an uh, with one arm tied behind your back. You know that should be the staple in every kitchen. Is there a beer style that every home brewer should master in that same way? Yeah, I, well, I would I would say pale ale. Okay, you know, um, traditional. British so, American, which, I'd, I'd say, I'd say, you know, an American pale ale. Okay, that's uh, certainly where I think the tastes so, are so more at thirty-ish uh, so IBUs, Sierra Nevada. Yeah, exactly. I mean, nineteen seventy-eight. Yeah. Go, I mean, and you know, part of it is just my my own 
prejudice that I, you know, I'm a huge <laughs> Sierra Nevada pale ale fan. And sure. I feel like pale ales have uh, gotten lost in the mix with everything being IPA, IPA. Yeah. Um, which I love IPAs, but um, but IPAs often can hide mistakes. Uh, you know, there's a reason why a lot of people start off making big hoppy beers or yeah. big chunky stouts. They hide, they hide, they hide the mistakes. Yeah. And I'm not saying you need to go the other extreme and, and, and try to brew the perfect Hellas, but that is an incredible accomplishment when you do. Sure. But let's find something middle of the road so you don't get uh, disappointed and move on to golf. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> let's keep you in homebrewing. So, so I, yeah, I think just a, a well-made, um, you know, nice sort of 5% uh, or so pale ale. I mean that is an incredible beer, yeah. you know, when well made, and and you can have a lot of fun with it too, and a lot of uh, experimenting with different hops, et cetera, et cetera. So, so you can you can do a lot with it, yeah. But it's it will show when you went south and didn't take care of what you needed to take care of. It's it's going to be hopefully subtle enough for that, but it's it'll be forgiving enough that uh, you're you're still going to. Uh, you know, want to share it with your friends. Hopefully. Are there styles that just simply do not translate to five gallons at a time? I don't think so. Okay. I don't think so at all. No. You know, I mean, it, it, yeah. And there's, and we've got some brewers and some, some, some of my coworkers that even brew in one gallon batches. Uh, and that for me, you know, that, that gets to be almost too small. Is it worth all the effort? You know, (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> right to to get, to get a couple six packs out of it, yeah. but um, if that, but yeah, yeah, it's you know you can no you can you can you can definitely do any style that's out there. It's just on a smaller scale. Um, you know, obviously there's some things that are, are more complicated, but there's other things that are almost easier to do on a smaller scale. I mean, you can you can create a, a pretty easy cool ship at home, yeah. Versus like you know the pros that it would be a a much bigger uh, uh, endeavor or effort, and uh, you know. So, but you know, if you if you're doing it on a small enough scale, certainly you know you can you have fun with that. And there's there's plenty of opportunities on the you know with smaller barrels and uh, you know and even even doing oak alternatives versus versus barrels and yeah and uh, you know that's that's there's yeah you can the the world's your your I mean. There's no limits on what you can do on the on the homebrew side. Were you going to say the world is your oyster stout? You, I, yeah, I could, I could, but I <laughs> I, let, I, let, I gave that line. Don't to you. Don't encourage it. I um, gave that line to you. Yeah, and you know, and and you can get as you can add, you know, add those oyster shells yeah. to that oyster stout. You know, <laughs> I don't, I don't know if you want to do the uh, <laughs> the old the old. Uh, uh, Colorado Rocky Mountain Oyster Stout that I that I had GABF uh, a few years back. Yeah, uh, that I missed was, it. Was balls per barrel was the uh, that was that was, was the recipe. That was a Marty Jones. Yes. Uh, yeah. yeah. Uh, was, for those who I, don't know, I, Marty I, Jones was a longtime uh, brewery hype man. Mm-hmm. Uh, one of the great PR guys yeah, who never I, let a joke had it had enough barn sit and on Bailey the table. Yeah, and. Um, yeah, that 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 Rocky Mountain oyster stout. Oh, I had it. it this I did too. And what was fascinating about it was that was back in the day for 
April Fool's Day jokes to be like, that's ridiculous. Yeah. That's never going yeah. to happen. And now, after they made it, every time April Fool's Day ro- rolls around and brewers are like, we're going to do blah, sure. blah, blah. And it's like, it's been done. Yeah. And even pretty much at, at, at the National Homebrewers Competition, when they do club night, I was reading through the list of what people were making. And there's people are really proud of their Hellas and they're, mm-hmm. they're, they're putting out some really world-class yeah. beers. And then they're like, so we went to Costco. And yeah. we got a couple of chickens, yeah. and we threw it in the mash, and oh. this is our five dollar yeah. Costco chicken ale. It's yeah. like okay, well, like nothing that is was, that, that was actually uh, an old historic uh, the cock ale. Is it? Oh yeah, with the chicken in it. Well, because I used to read those Dave Line books from the seventies. Yeah, <laughs> from the UK. Yeah, that was like a thing. Actually, I, I I might draw the line at that one, but I would love to see you recreate that recipe in an upcoming issue of the magazine. All right. And well, just for I the modern age. age cover story, but for yeah. the, <laughs> probably the sous, not. Yeah. The sous vide chicken. That's yeah. I, I would so, try. Yeah. It. So, but it's and it's it's always fun, you know. With with homebrewing, there's what what is really enjoyable about you know the couple decades with with Brion is the passion. And 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 really the sense of fun that homebrewers have, uh, you know, about the hobby, and that it's not, it's taken seriously, but you know, there's also sort of a, a wink in there too, which is great, you know, because it it should be a hobby, right? Yeah. You don't need it. No one needs a second job or a third job. Um, you know, you you should be doing it for for fun. Uh, doesn't mean that you're not going to put your best effort into it and and treat it with some seriousness. But it's also beer, and I think the majority of homebrewers get that, and for them, it's a great break from the rest of their lives, and and they get to really have fun and be creative and or you know indulge in maybe the geekier side or or whatever. It can be it's it's a very flexible hobby too, which is cool. Um, yeah, you know, there's some that go super deep on the science side. Yeah. and then there's others that, could care less maybe they, they maybe they you know do what minimally they need to do but they're not going to get too hung up on water science or, or other other things and and that's great so there's room for everybody to sort of dive deep into the things that they want to and yet still have at the end of the day beer to share and enjoy and, and yeah uh, you know and 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 talk about so in that vein what i love about the book is for somebody who has been homebrewing, they can pick it up and they can be inspired by the recipes. For somebody who is not homebrewed, this is really a great introduction and primer and walks them through how to get started and, and, and how to be doing it. So, so it works on a lot of different levels. And, and, and um, I think it makes a great gift, obviously, for, for people who are curious about beer and sort of making mm-hmm. their own. But to that point, there's always this conversation that not maybe not always but i've heard this conversation enough where somebody starts home brewing it's like oh you're gonna open up your own brewery one day and that doesn't happen when somebody takes up golf later in life it's like oh you're gonna join the senior tour or you know any of these yeah other. No, it's true. one of these that hobbies where that's, that's interesting but yeah, because of the that. prevalence of breweries people are like well this is just going to be the stepping stone to your next career um but it also strikes me that that's not a great reason to get into home brewing. Like if it's a natural extension, that's fine. But it's everything that you were just saying of like the you know the pleasure of doing it, and you can get as geeky as you want or not want. Is there has there been something lost in the last couple of years with? 
I don't, people focusing you know, on. I don't. I mean, it's interesting. I mean, yeah, certainly compared to most other hobbies, there's yeah. not that sort of jumping to a uh, professional right I mean, expectation. Ten thousand hours, or a right? Question, yeah, you know, and and uh, yeah, serving your home brew, and oh, you should sell this. You should totally open up your own brewery. <laughs> yeah, um, and yeah, you know, it's. I guess the interesting thing on the flip side of that is that there is this possibility, right? If you're golfing, you're not necessarily going to just show up in three years at the U.S. Open. And, right. Exactly. Except as a spectator. <laughs> yeah. Where you've <laughs> but, bought your but, ticket. But with, and, yeah. but with with homebrewing, especially these days, and you know, with the smaller scale craft brewing, and we, we cover some of that in the, in the magazine and elsewhere on the nano side. Yeah. Yeah. Um, there are those opportunities and the barriers to entry are lower than they've ever been to be able to make that jump if you want to do that. So I don't know, you know, it's, I don't know if it's a double edged sword, but I'd, I'd like to think that it gives those people who do have that inclination. There is that opportunity to really take your hobby and go pro with it. But I think most people just enjoy it for what it is, which is a it really, fascinating hobby that you can keep doing and and it keeps evolving um and there's always something else to learn you know i'm often asked over the years like yeah i mean how many how many stories can you do on making beer you know and we never have a shortage of story ideas here and yeah you know i mean we've been putting out the magazine for over 25 years and uh um yeah we might revisit certain beer styles from time to time, but things change, evolve, and there's different ways to approach the same subject. And uh, so it's it's been fun just seeing the growth of the hobby and how it's changed over the years. Is there a book about beer that you have not been involved with that has stuck with you after reading it that you would encourage other folks to go out and try to find a copy and, and, and read it. Hmm. I, you know, I, I mean, I think as, as far as like a great one, just to like have on your shelf and, and pull down. And it's a great reference. The, uh, the Oxford companion. Sure. To I beer. see it on your shelf over here. Yeah. 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 I, 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 to me, that's fun because you can dive in and dive out of it. Uh, in addition, if you're needing, specific information yeah uh that's well researched you can you can find that so i i like that for just sort of the quick hits um i mean for me early early days i mean i was very informed by you know any of the michael jackson books um which you know i haven't i haven't really revisited i I should do that and see how they're holding up with time um i'm sure great uh, you know, but uh, yeah, but those were those were very influential and and introduced me to this world of beer, well pre-internet, where you know that's where suddenly I was like, geez, there's a lot going on in Belgium and right. you know other other places and uh, and all these fascinating beer styles that I then wanted to try to recreate at home because I couldn't get examples yeah where I was living and and things like that so. Um, yeah, so those, those would be kind of my, my couple that I would, uh, put in my backpack for the desert island. Perfect. Thanks for doing this. Yeah, no, it's great to, uh, great to have you here at the, uh, 
The World at the, Media at, Headquarters. At the mothership, yeah, yeah. This is great. Here in the uh, 1900 barn. I love it. I love it. It's a really cool office. A reminder to get the Big Book of Homebrewing, where books are sold, as well as the Craft Brewery Cookbook, which is now also on sale, where fine books are sold. Get a copy today. Also, All About Beer is back online. Go to allaboutbeer.com to catch up with great content. And if you want to keep in touch with me, questions, comments, guest suggestions, book recommendations, you can email me. It's John Hall. That's J-O-H-N-H-O-L-L at allaboutbeer.com. Or you can get with me on Twitter at John underscore Hall. Of course, All About Beer is also on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Just follow along at All About Beer. And This Week in Ralk Beer is also online. The Facebook group is easy to search, and on Twitter and Instagram, it's at TW Ralk Beer. We're able to bring you this show each week, thanks to the companies that want to support independent journalism in the beer space. If you would like to learn more about our surprisingly affordable rates, please don't hesitate to reach out to info at allaboutbeer.com. Speaking of that, today's episode was sponsored by the Harpoon Brewery. Did you know that Harpoon IPA is New England's original IPA? Join Harpoon Brewery employee owners Megan Wilson and Greg Moon as they discover other unexpected New England originals in food and beverage, entertainment, sports, community engagement, and more on the New England Originals podcast. You can find it on Spotify. And if you're headed to Colorado for GIBF, or even if you're just going to head to Colorado, you should check out the Denver Rare Beer Tasting on October 7th. It's an incredible afternoon of beer passion featuring America's top craft breweries pouring rare, exotic, and vintage brews to benefit the Pints for Prostates campaign. This is truly a bucket list event for a great cause where you get to try beers you won't find elsewhere and meet the men and women who brewed them. More information at pintsforprostates.org. All About Beer has a podcast channel now. Search and subscribe on your podcast platform of choice. Steal This Beer has new episodes every Monday. And hey, the BYO Nano podcast that comes out on the 15th of every month. Go visit allaboutbeer.com. As for this particular show, Nate Weber does the music. Jeff Quinn designed our logo. And I'm John Hall. New episodes released every Wednesday. And that's when I'm going to be back again to drink beer and to think beer.